do whatever it takes mm, to yeah. have a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and again, that's the prescriptive thing. Like too many times it's like, well, you got to do this. You got to do that. This is what, and you can't do that or you can't do this. I might do whatever it takes to um, have a healthy relationship. Again, because relationships are difficult. Marriages are incredibly stressful entities and can be these very toxic, destructive things. And so if we're not managing that, working on it, um, growing as individuals, growing as a couple. And so I'm a huge believer in, in counseling. I'm a huge believer in anything that is going to help you grow. Hmm. Okay, let's do this. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Are you ready? I'm ready. Love or work. Is anyone listening? No, don't put that on the air. These two people are really, really funny. This one made me cry. World Series champion. Around the entire world. NBA All-Star. We hope you love this interview as much as we did. Love or work. This is the Love or Work podcast. My name is Nico, and this is my mommy and daddy. <laughs> Welcome to the Love Work podcast. That was our little son, Nico, introducing us. What's up, Nico? <laughs> He's listening in. He's got the headphones on his ears right now. It's, so, it's kind of fun to let him. They got feel. a half day today. They're bring your kids to work day today. That's right. So Love or Work is all about this answering this question. Is it possible for both of us to be living out our purpose, staying in love, and raising a healthy family? And our family gets to sit in on this little intro today. And today we're interviewing Mike and Jennifer Foster. They have written two separate marriage books kind of things. One is called Five Dates Book, and it's uh, questions to engage couples. And you go on five dates together. We love it. We did this on our date. We did this on five dates in a row. And it was so much fun. It was. I even gave it to, we bought them and gave it to everyone on our team. Yeah. It's light. It's fun. It's easy. And then we also, uh, they also just released a video series called Extraordinary Couples. And they're just like these quick videos you can download and talk about. He said there's like 14 videos. We haven't done it yet, but we will do it. It's only $29. It's next on our list. That's a cool thing to invest in. So all the links will be in our Instagram and online for you. So, and then he also does a podcast called Fun Therapy, yeah, which is Mike in full therapy mode and you will love him because he's amazing. Yeah. I bet a lot of you are actually maybe already listened to that podcast. We, um, man, this is encouraging that they're on this call with us. I, uh, for years, Mike has invested in me personally. So I feel like every time I'm with him, I walk away feeling like, um, he spoke something into my soul. And, um, and I think he shared some things today that hopefully be an encouragement to you. So I'm going to, I'm going to encourage you to listen for these three things. The first is, um, he shares this one statement that you should say to your partner every day. And it's three words and it's not, I love you. Yeah, that's a good one. And the second thing to listen for is he's going to share some of his thoughts on, um, how social media is um, negatively impacting our lives, but yet he uses it every day. And that the contrast to that is interesting. And then um, I had them uh, share the story of the time that the two of them went on a marriage retreat. Yes, that's a good one. Yes. All right, everybody, here you go. Here's Mike and Jennifer Foster. We fell in love at church. 
It was a... Uh, Did mi- we? Well, I mean, okay. we met at church. We met, we at, met church. at church. <laughs> we fell in love on a mission trip. Um, it was a week-long mission trip down in Mexico. We were building a church. Yeah, because I we actually... We, we joke about this now 28 years later, but I kind of gave Jennifer the cold shoulder when I first met her because she came with a well-known Don Juan of the youth group and who's bringing a new blonde girlfriend every week. And I'm like, oh, here's here's the flavor of the week. Wow. By the way, that's incredibly judgmental on my part. But um, Yeah, the wow. real story is <laughs> I was just out of high school searching for the Lord. And I knew this one guy from high school asked if I go to church with them. It was a midweek uh, youth group service. And so I didn't know he had that reputation. <laughs> so that's when I showed up with him and he introduced me to Mike. I immediately fell head over heels oh, for Mike. But he just kind of, like he said, gave me the cold shoulder. <laughs> yeah, which makes it even more embarrassing that she was there to seek the Lord and here I am completely rejecting Blew her. Blew me off. <laughs> oh my gosh. But we worked it out. We, we, we did fall in love building a church down in Mexico for a week. And, uh, she was my first official girlfriend, the first girl I kissed, and the last girl I kissed, by the way, too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. That's amazing. And you've been married 23 years? Yeah, almost 24 in 24, another month. Yeah. And you have two kids? Two kids. Jackson is next week going to be 20, and Taylor is 17. So one out of the house and one still in for another year. Yes. So you're almost to that empty nester stage. Yes. And we're very excited about it. Yes, we are. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know you guys uh, get to talk with a lot of people about marriage and about your relationship and sharing the good and the bad, but I thought it'd be great to hear, I don't know, maybe an experience you had at a marriage retreat, maybe your favorite worst experience you've ever had at a marriage have you guys ever had an experience I, at a yeah, marriage retreat? wasn't there some big fight <laughs> that happened we've had one experience yeah we we are the worst marriage retreat attenders <laughs> we are the worst marriage book readers we are we are so rebellious in terms of the typical thing that you're supposed to be doing in your marriage but we we lit we write about this in our, our book, uh, Five Dates, that our worst fight ever happened at a marriage retreat. We were about seven years into our marriage. Jennifer said it, there was this church romance weekend up in the mountains, and she convinced me to go, and it ended up being a complete disaster. <laughs> yeah, Mike was not happy. Um, we were expecting a romantic weekend for two. You know, it was a romance weekend. So we get up there. And by the way, this is at, you know, it's not the Ritz-Carlton. It's at a um, college camp, a uh, college campus. So, so there's like up in bunk the mountains. beds? <laughs> <laughs> they're Pretty dorms. Much. It's like a dorm with bunk beds? Yeah, they're oh dorms. <laughs> so yeah, we get up there and uh, our first night, you know, we're all excited to go to dinner together and we walk in the room and there are these big tables set up for like groups of eight. So now we're sitting with three other couples, complete strangers. Oh, oh that no. Making small talk, you know, Which talking about- Which is the about, worst. 
It is the absolute worst. And and you guys know me pretty well. I don't do small talk. I can't even pretend to care about superficial <laughs> things that people talk about. So it was it was dreadful. It was about an hour and a half. And by the way, I, I just want to say that I'm going to come off like a complete diva in this story. He was. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's you okay. Were. I, I have, have, we, I have we just barely started the podcast and I'm a diva. Now listen, I have a husband that's very similar. Him and his little diva can't go on a camping trip in the VW with me. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Let's focus on Mike. Let's focus on Mike. Yes, let's focus on Mike. Let's talk about Mike being a diva so you don't have to talk about me. Yeah, so continue my judgmental streak of this dinner and meeting Jennifer at church. Uh, These two... (laughs) Christian speakers get up there for the session that was after the dinner. And it's sort of like Bobby and Pammy, you know, doing the idealistic Christian marriage thing about how (laughs) wonderful marriage is and how sexy prayer is. And I'm just like, we we were, we were in our, we were struggling. We're there for help. Like we needed help. We were drowning and Mm. we just felt more isolated, more, marginalized in that experience. And so we got in this big old fight uh, later that night. Um, Jennifer's crying. She runs out the... the. Um, well, you wanted to leave. He's like, this oh, is yeah, stupid. Let's just yeah, go I home. I was ready to go home. I was like, I'm out of here. And um, so I'm like, you don't love me. You don't care about our marriage. <laughs> and yeah, it yelling was Yelling at each other in our, our dorms. So there's our... There's our marriage experience retreat. We, but we stayed. We stayed. We, here's the you thing that did. we learned. You're, this you're, is the lesson. This is the lesson of all of it. Like, I think couples, a lot of times, like marriage stuff and couple stuff, it's, it's very prescriptive. It's very like, this is what your marriage looks like. This is what it's supposed to be like. This is where you're at. This is how much in love you are with your spouse right now. And that actually is not true. I think all every marriage is unique. Every relationship is unique. And honestly, in that moment, what we needed was not sort of strategies or two-hour teaching sessions. What we needed is just some time together. And so we're a, we're a big believer about togetherness and dating and just not making this whole thing too damn complicated and just really being... Um, keeping it simple and keeping it fun and keeping it um, light. And so um, it's, which is probably why we haven't gone back to marriage, a marriage retreat and why we, we kind of feel a little bit in terms of our own work. We're, um, we're doing basic addition and subtraction where maybe other resources and marriage ministries are doing algebra and (laughs) trigonometry. (laughs) It's funny you share that story though, because I feel like we haven't talked about this in a long time, Andre, but some of our biggest fights have always been like on the car ride to something for a church, small group or something. (laughs) And it's like, you're on the way there. You're screaming at each other. Mm -hmm. Andre's looking at me like, she didn't know what I'm talking about. I think you know what I'm talking about. Where we're like, oh, yes. but you no, get in this I... huge fight and then you, you're you like kind of parked out in front of the house you're supposed to go into and you're trying to work through it and then somebody like walks by your car and then you just <laughs> smile. And you smile like, yeah. okay, we're going inside now or whatever. Yeah. Jeez, let's yeah. go inside the church. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so the other thing, so yeah, that is interesting that you say that because you're saying, 
kind of that idea that resources and a lot of times can be so prescriptive and then you have some also, but then you're also putting out some great marriage resources, um, which, mm. and you know, you're like, we avoid marriage uh, retreats, but you've got some great kind of ideas for marriage stuff with your partner. So talk to us a little bit about your, I mean, your five dates book is great. Jeff and I did it. And I do agree. It's very light and fun. And then mm-hmm. now you have a video series too, right? Yeah, we we just came out with a a 14-part kind of guided video series called Extraordinary Couples, which they're they're short videos, probably what, five, six minutes. minutes. Uh, And it's it's kind of meant for a couple to, you know, they can watch it in bed, they can watch it on a date, um, they can watch it on the couch, and you kind of... You can do audio, too. You can just listen to it in the car. Yeah, listen to it in the car together. There's there's downloads, um, PDF downloads to kind of enhance the experience, but it's really about just topics on communication, intimacy, conflict, just to kind of give you a, I, I, I describe it as protein bars. Like you take a protein bar and it gives you um, nutrition, it gives you strength. Uh, and I think that's what we're trying to do with this, uh, this course is again, not complicated. They're not 20, 30 minute sessions. It's easy to do. We keep it light, very practical very action oriented, but you know, that that's kind of our vibe. I mean, we, life is really complicated already Mm -hmm. and we, we really want couples to actually engage in our materials. And if you don't make it fun, snappy, uh, helpful, (laughs) people just aren't going to do it. (laughs) So, um, I mean, you guys did five dates, you you know, again, it's, we dating should be fun. It's like, Hey, go out to dinner, talk about a couple questions, do a few little doodles. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think with the in regards to marriage counseling? Oh, you're you're a good one for this, Mike. In terms of <laughs> like, going to marriage counseling, yeah, like therapy. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm like, I, here's the other thing. Here, here's kind of another philosophy that we would have is do whatever it takes mm, to yeah. have a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and again, that's the prescriptive thing, like. Too many times it's like, well, you got to do this. You got to do that. This is what, and you can't do that or you can't do this. I might do whatever it takes to um, have a healthy relationship. Again, because relationships are difficult. Marriages are incredibly stressful entities and can be these very toxic, destructive things. And so if we're not managing that, working on it, um, growing as individuals, growing as a couple. And so I'm a huge believer in in counseling. I'm a huge believer in anything that is going to help you grow. Hmm. Hmm. Do you, I like what you said about healthy relationships. So a lot of people listening probably grew up in a home that they would consider not healthy. And then they look around themselves trying to find what a healthy relationship is. And they don't, they they don't even have examples when they start looking around them. I'm curious for the two of you, how how would you define that? Like what is a healthy relationship in this time, in this era um, that, that people would be moving towards? Like, how would you even define that? I think both Jennifer and I are lucky that we both grew up in homes where our parents are still together. Now, our parents did not have perfect relationships. No. They were, they're not perfect people, but 
I think just the fact that we we grew up in an uh, an in, we watched a marriage um, that survived hmm. is I think a huge benefit advantage. Um, now within that, I would say uh, you know health health to me is when you can talk about both the dark and the light, where you can you can be honest because I think a lot of times is you know whether we grew up in an intact uh, home with with mom and dad both there or, a, or in a divorce situation or single parent situation, anytime that we're sort of burying things or not dealing with things or hiding things, that to me is unhealthy. And so I think the couples that inspire me are the ones that I actually see them argue. I see them, uh, you know, ha- disagree. I see them, you know, being human beings and still loving each other and still um, together and still working on it and still, you know, we always say, we, we talk about this when we um, speak, you know, the most important thing that you could say to your partner, but three most important words that you could say to your partner are not the words, I love you, even though those three words are very important, but it's the word, three words, help me understand. And so I think watching, to me, health is, is asking that question. Like, we may be disagreeing right now. We may be in conflict right now, but I'm, I love you enough to say, help me understand here. And I want to understand. And I respect your opinion. I honor your opinion. Yeah. So for Mike and I, even though both of our parents have been married, you know, for 50 plus years, um, we, I, for me, at least, it always hasn't been the best example of marriage, the way my parents have navigated life, even though they're still married. Um, so for me, it was, what don't I want to do in my marriage? You know, I don't want to do X, Y, and Z based on seeing what, you know, how my parents were married early on. So I made changes in that way. So it was opposite of what I saw in their example. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, just us navigating things, even the last, you know, several years of triggers of things from our childhood that hmm. um, we didn't realize were triggers in our marriage until we talked about it that were based on, you know, stuff that our parents did or did not do. You were a big believer in, in, talking about family of origin stuff in a relationship, because I think we don't realize the, the baggage that we pick up, um, the beliefs that we pick up from our parents, the values that we pick up about how to do relationships, roles, um, all kinds of things. And, and if we're not looking at that or aware of that as a couple, then we are, uh, we're often fighting things in, from the past versus fighting things in the present. Mm-hmm. And we think it's a present argument. It's a current argument, but really it's something that's as historical uh, connections. Uh, and sometimes the part your, your partner doesn't understand those historical connections, doesn't understand the triggers, doesn't understand um, you know, the home that you grew up in. And so talking about that as a couple is a huge thing for us. And so I think, you're talking about health. I think healthy discussion about our family of origin is absolutely critical. Hmm. So um, in some of the research that we've been working on, one of the things that really came out to us is how in this conversation with love and work and these couples that are trying to give so much energy to 
all of the things, the person that is at times most um, affected is that actual individual. They're not caring for themselves. And mm-hmm. I'm curious, I know, Mike, you do a ton of counseling with entrepreneurial people with um, and, and coaching with these types of people. Um, if, if there's someone listening right now and they're in the midst of that tension, um, how, how would you kind of coach them or, or, or lead them to care for themselves in the midst of caring for their kids and their work and their spouse and all the things they're trying to maintain? Where, where would they begin? Yeah, well, I, I do think so much of our relationships and our relationship health has to do with our own heart. And, uh, you know, I always like to, even when couples are struggling and I'm, you know, we're counseling a couple so often my encouragement and coaching to them would be to, uh, begin to spend as much energy on their own personal development, their own healing, their own work before even trying to work on the relationship itself. And I think, you know, to me, most of us are carrying personal things of um, shame, feeling of inadequacy. Uh, We struggle with perfectionism and performance. Uh, These, these themes in our lives are going to make it almost impossible for us to have a healthy, vulnerable, thriving relationship with other people, especially our spouse. And so like, if you're sitting there and you're like, I'm burned out, I'm empty, I have nothing to give, I'd encourage you, don't work on your relationships, work on your heart, work on boundaries, work on uh, saying no, work on finding self-replenishment activities in your life because that is the best gift that you're going to give to your spouse. And that's the best gift that you're going to give to your kids and the, and the people that you love the most. So if you were, I mean, and you do a lot of counseling with couples and have heard over so many years, all the kind of just like challenges and difficulties people might be having, what would you see as one of the biggest challenges that you see with couples today? Oh, I mean, there's so many. (laughs) I I, I think, you know, sex is a challenge. Intimacy is a challenge. I think there's communication. A lot lot of times there's just communication, but I, I think at the end of the day, so much of this is about like, I think marriage especially is the place where it's the school where I learned to not be a narcissistic ego filled individual where I always get my own way. <laughs> I think that's like, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's the school mm-hmm. that we're entering into when we get, when we marry somebody. And, and I think at the end of the day, like all the issues are really about us as individuals surrendering certain things, um, compromising certain things on the behalf of somebody else sacrificing and I'm not saying that we lose ourselves and I'm not saying that our voice isn't ever important or our opinion isn't important, but there is like this, as long as you're always guarding your turf, always needing it your way, always believing that you have the right to something that's going to, that's just going to create a, a division I think, in your, your relationship. And so lots of grace, lots of forgiveness, Again, these are very difficult things for us to do as human beings, 
but absolutely necessary. And so if you struggle with forgiveness, if you struggle with giving grace, if you struggle with um, you know, pride, uh, ego, you're going to struggle in your marriage. And so, again, that's why I think some of the personal work that you can do around those issues mm-hmm. can really benefit uh, the relationship. What do you think, Jen? Well, I think kids are yeah. a big factor in struggling marriages, especially when they're young and you're de- you know, giving so much attention to them and your spouse gets the leftovers and they're on the back burner. Um, after so many years, that runs its course and yeah, it's difficult. I think our biggest yeah. fights have been about, you know, of course there's the marriage retreat, but, <laughs> but probably second, That's second to that. That's our only fight. Yeah, our only fight. Our second uh, uh, worst fights have for sure been around the kids. And that also is family of origin stuff, just how we we're both raised different and how we view raising right. our kids a little different and things and how do we agree on. You should tell them about, about our Taylor incident. Yeah. So part of my This was story, a really big, this is a really big tension, recent tension point in our marriage. Like five months ago, six yeah. months ago. Let's hear I think it's, I think it's more, I think it's more recent than that. 17 years <laughs> ongoing. <laughs> well, I, it, maybe it's been started five months ago. It's been kind of ongoing. We're getting it resolved. Yeah. So, you know, I'm the youngest of four kids. Um, my parents both worked full time. I was latchkey kid. There's big age gaps between the four of us. So, you know, I always came home to an empty house. You know, I had my little key around my neck with my green piece of yarn necklace. <laughs> and um, so, you know, just all those years coming home alone and just, I felt lonely and sad. You know, I'd be jealous of my friends who had their moms there, you know, waiting for them to greet them with snacks and um, with milk and so cookies. Yes. Yeah, so I'm like, where's my mom? So yeah. So just over the years of that. And yeah, as I got older, getting into trouble, cause now I'm home alone unsupervised. So, um, I just, when we got married, I said, you know, I'm going to be a stay home mom. I'm not gonna leave my kids home alone or be with sitters all the time. And so that was just my personal thing. I just felt like I wanted to be there for them. And so, um, even though I've been a nurse the whole time, I've worked very little. It was mainly a stay-home mom with them. We would One of us was always home with the kids. Um, but probably the last six months or so, we just had more stuff going on where we were both working more, traveling more, you know, with five dates and speaking. And uh, so Taylor, I think the kids were coming home with more Taylor because Jackson wasn't. Yeah. By the way, oh. Taylor is now 17. She's 17. So she okay. was coming home a lot. To an empty house, you know, because neither of us were home. And there were several days where Mike was home, but maybe at the time she was coming home, he'd, you know, because he works out of the office. So he'd take a break and go to the gym or go to Starbucks to work. Just doing my thing, doing guys. Doing his thing, you know. Doing your thing. <laughs> doing my thing. And I'd be at work. I'm like, why aren't you home? You know, Taylor's coming home, you know, and he's, Mike's like, what's the big deal? Yeah, you I know, think this like, is ridiculous. I'm like, like this is a 17-year-old kid who honestly doesn't want to see me anyways um, when she doesn't, walks into the she house. She doesn't even talk That's, to me. She doesn't exactly. talk to me. She, I'm like, you still need to be there. Can't you just be home when she gets there and then you can leave? And yeah. he just was not understanding it. And I'm stressing out because now I feel like I'm an inadequate mom. She's, you know. And you, I think this is ridiculous. <laughs> and we're, we're, we're literally, I mean, definitely uh, dissension and division here because I think this is just a, a absurd concept about some some adult needing to be home when our seventeen year old daughter gets home from school. 
But what I didn't understand was the the backstory of it. I didn't understand why this was important to Jennifer. I didn't understand that this was actually something that she felt as a child, as a or as a kid, you know, growing up as a latchkey kid. And so Yeah, it wasn't until I just finally told you. Told me that. After weeks of fighting about this. And once she said that, by the way, like once she told me, like gave me that context, everything shifted. I could see that. It, it, it changed to me like, okay, I now understand that this has, this doesn't have anything to do with Taylor. This has everything to do with how you felt as a child and now how you feel as a mom and a value that's important to you. Even though honestly, it's not important to me, but because it's important to Jennifer, it's going to be important to me. And I made a shift and I've, and we've gotten on the same page about this now. I'm not perfect. I'm sometimes I'm still. No, and I don't require someone to be home every single day. It's just when we're gone for a week or two at a time. And then there's, you know, when it's all piling up, like no one's been home for a while. But this yeah. is, the, this is the stuff that pops right. up all, all the time in our right. relationships. Like we think we're talking about our teenage daughter. Right. Exactly. We are not talking about our teenage daughter. It had nothing to do with her. <laughs> We're actually. talking about how Jennifer felt as a child. And how it. and mm-hmm. she's yeah. thought about it for the last what thirty years or whatever since you know, so it's like it's built and built and built and built. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's good. That's a really good example to kind of put it, you know, put it to words exactly what, you know, this concept that you think about and I think we hear it a lot in counseling or mm-hmm. things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think that's so practical. I'd love to yeah. um, kind of go back because you guys are talking about your, you know, more and more you guys are sharing your story with people and on the road a little bit more. And, um, you know, I, Mike, you and I definitely have interacted with a lot of people on the road doing different um, work where they're being platformed for their voice in some way. And I think over the last few years, I mean, with social media, um, adding a new platform to the mix, um, it's starting to impact people's identities. And mm-hmm. I'd love for you to share a little bit about, about what you see in that. Just this, um, this con, I would say like this tension between how social media, the platforms, all these things are impacting their identity and also how that plays out in their relationships. I think social media just, it just adds another layer of the message, the over arching message of our lives that says we're not enough. And I don't care if you have 500 followers, 200 followers, 500,000 followers. It just gives us another competition and comparison point about how we're not measuring up. And, you know, if, if there was in terms of platforms and, and speakers and, and influencing and leadership, like, you had the books and then you had the stages of speaking and now you have like, it's all this big competition and we don't, we would never describe it that way. We would never um, even probably talk about it that way, but deep down inside of us, there is something being pinged. And that's, this is why all the research shows that after we spend time on social media, we are more depressed, feel less uh, about ourselves <laughs> And, and just down about life because it's just pinging that thing in our heart that says we're, we're not enough. And so like, for me, 
I love social media. We're both on social media. Um, I have to always talk to myself and remind myself, this is all ridiculous. All of it. (laughs) I I mean, honestly, I would say, I'd say publishing, speaking, traveling, whatever the, that whole idea of platform. I think all of it is insane, stupid. And, and listen, I participate in it. It's how I, how we pay our house payment every, uh, every month. But let me tell like our guiding principle as people and as a couple is the most important thing is our relationship and our hearts. And so that like, if there's something we're going after in our lives, um, Mike and Jen Foster, what we're going after, we're going after a healthy marriage and we're going after uh, healthy hearts. Everything else is a, is a complete like distant um, focus. Um, my, the thing that I conspire and, and think about and strategize around is how can I stay home more often? How can I sit uh, on the patio with Jennifer? How, when are we going to go on date night this week? Like those are the things that fill my mind. And I think when we can have a healthy relationship, like just say, this is the hill that I die on. And I can tell you social media is not the hill I die on. Five dates workbooks are not the hill we die on. I mean, it, it, it's just, it's a reorienting of priorities. And um, I got to tell you, like, we got to have, we got to have a reset in our culture. We have to re- reset in leadership. We have to have a reset in our mind about how we think about these things because they're taking us to places that um, are not making our lives more happy or joyful, or it's not making our relationships stronger. We're more lonely, more depressed, uh, fewer friend, fewer true friends. Like there's study, I read a recent study that says like about 30 or 40 years ago, people would say they'd have about five close friends that would come bail them out of jail or if they're in an emergency now people would be hard pressed to, to name one person that would do that in their lives. Mm-hmm. That's the reality of um, the culture that we live in. And I'm a big believer. Like I love technology. I love social media. I love the opportunities that we have to speak and write, but it is not, it is not our anchor. It is a, it is an extra. So what if, so what if someone's in, in all that and, because honestly, I interact with a lot of people that um, are launching things. And when they're launching things, they get so much attention in the midst of it. And then what, mm-hmm. what ends up happening is you start launching them. It's kind of cool. It's interesting. People start asking you to speak. It happens so fast now. Um, and then mm-hmm. followers start happening. Is there like, Andre and I have been talking about this very recently. Is there like hedges you can create? Like what kind of, what kind of, um, I don't know if it's tips you can give that, to just kind of create some accountability for yourself and, and for your relationship and so that that doesn't overtake all of it. What I, I'd say, and Jenna, you chime in too on this, I, I think just recognizing the dark side of all of it and just being aware of it and just honoring it, saying, listen, this feels good right now. All this attention, I love it. I, I feel more important now than I did when I wasn't getting attention hmm. and just recognizing those, those exchanges in our hearts and, and, and being real with that. Because when we say like, Oh, you know, um, because it, it's feeding, it's feeding something in our soul. That's, that's the reality. It's like, there's something missing. And I don't care whether this is like chasing fame, 
money, uh, attention, followers, whatever the thing is that we're needing, uh, it means that there's something inside of us that feels like uh, we're not loved enough and we don't belong enough. And so we're going to go try to solve that problem with all these external things, which is really a, an adventure in more sadness and more depression and more frustration, in my opinion. Hmm. So you recognize it, you hold it in that space of just saying, okay, I see this. I know that this is um, like, this is what it is, right? That it it's attention right now, or it feels good right now. And it's probably not going to stay forever. <laughs> um, no. So, the idea then would be to hold to still remember the things that you want to last and stay forever because this will fall away. Totally. And I think that's the, that's the, if you, if you know what is most important to you and you are defining that in a very radical way. And, and we have as a couple, we've said our marriage, even beyond our kids, by the way, it's our marriage and our personal development, like our own hearts. That is the, the radical focus that we take. Now, there's a bunch of other things that are going on in our lives. There's a bunch of other things that we can be involved in and put energy towards, but not at the expense of those two things. Mm. Uh, and, and that's, you know, again, I, I work with leaders all the time in this space entrepreneurs, uh, people with huge platforms. And I, I gotta be honest with you. Like there is a lot of regret and there is a lot of uh, just a loss that they feel and a lot of just tension around not knowing who they really are because they got caught up in a system of that, that they were trying to use to define their value and their importance. And they, and they got there and they realized there's no there there. <laughs> right. For some reason, reason, Mike has had some incredible successes and some incredible heartbreaks. I, would, I don't know if that's how you would explain it, but really challenging times. Disasters. Yeah. Disasters. <laughs> that I, I've been yeah. there in some of those moments with you. Yeah. Yes, you have. <laughs> on day one on some of them. Uh, <laughs> Yes. Like when it all was hitting the oh, fan. Oh my Lord. Jeff yes. was there. Um, uh-huh. But Jennifer was there. Yes, she was. And I was thinking about that. Like when those scenarios happen, I'm curious, Jennifer, like how, how you process that with Mike. Um, because I, all of us at some season in life, we, we experience heartbreak and stress and failure and whatever name the name the thing but i think i watched you stand with mike in some of the hardest situations so if you're giving mm-hmm. advice to someone and this isn't for women it's for any partner and their partner is going through an extremely either stressful or heartbreaking situation what can they mm-hmm. do for that partner today um i think for me and maybe mike can chime in on this. I think I just, I just supported him and where he was at. I let him process and what he needed to do. And I didn't tell him to do X, Y, and Z. And I was just there for him quietly 
I think, you know, um, definitely supporting him and maybe giving a little advice here and there, but I definitely wasn't like a loud voice trying to fix things. And hmm. I just stood by his side and just being there. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I, I mean, think, I think she was I didn't just, have any magic sauce for that. <laughs> it's just standing by his side. Yeah. And I, I think you just, that is, she did, wasn't and trying I, to fix it. And or she judge was, you or blame you. Or, no, it was, it was, she just grieved it with me. And, yeah. and we're talking, you know, we're being a little cryptic in, in terms of like what these things were, but there've been several things in my, my life over the past 15 years of, of entrepreneurialism and putting things out there where it's just crashed and burned publicly. And it was embarrassing and hard and, um, lost a lot and not only lost a lot, but like people knew that I lost a lot in that, you know, just kind of publicly, um, you know, been, been shamed and embarrassed and, and have felt the weight of all that uh, criticized and, um, and this is mo there's been a couple key instances that have just been incredible amounts of pain in our relationship. But Jen, I, I think that quietly standing by, supporting, not fixing, but grieving and not adding to the pain was so critical in that that time because I I've, I've I was at zero. I was like completely broken mad, angry, sad, depressed, all of it, you know, everything that you get with grief when you, when something that you loved and something that you worked on, something that you dreamed about happening, uh, doesn't. And some of it was relationship based. Some of it was, uh, content and, and project based. I mean, it, it's, it's been an interesting run and, uh, those seasons, make us appreciate each other more, I think. Hmm. This is a new season for you. Uh, for years, Mike has been kind of out front teaching people. Um, you know, a lot of us have been impacted by his messages. I, Andre and I personally have, I mean, honestly, our lives have been impacted because of stories that he's shared. And mm -hmm. I, I even, I sorry to go backwards, but I, I still remember the story of Mike sharing uh, with me and with others about, um, I think it was your dad that would write a, a letter and oh yeah yeah and and, and your mm -hmm. kids uh, and so every time I'm I'm like making our kids um, lunches Lunch. in the morning I think about that and periodically I'll put a note in there just because of that, that story. No. but uh, that's so cool that's awesome yeah uh, but for Jen you, this is new for you and so my question yeah. to you is just how has that been stepping into kind of a teaching role into a little bit of a mentorship role in other people's lives? And how are you processing that in this kind of new phase of your life? Yeah. Um, it's been a difficult, I think in the beginning for me, um, obviously I'm not one to be in the limelight and on stage and in this role. Um, so it's been gotten easier over the year. I, and I've enjoyed you know, helping couples and just getting the feedback. So I feel like just God has put us in this place because I definitely would not have stepped into this on my own. <laughs> so, um, and I have a lot of insecurities about it. And, you know, I don't feel like I'm as an eloquent speaker as Mike and have as much to say and got big shoes to fill. But um, I just love being by his side. And I think we work well together. But um, it's so much better when she's there hmm. and, and 
I I kind of have both a you know a, a critical eye on it, but also I'm a, I'm a husband and we're it just talking about relationships and Jennifer does a great job because she's so natural and she mm-hmm. she just shares from her heart and uh, you know it's kind of weird honestly if a guy's talking just about marriage right. that doesn't make sense to me yeah right. <laughs> And that's what we have. We have a lot of that, honestly. Mm-hmm. And oh, so yeah. it's like all the marriage books. Yeah. And I, yeah. I don't want to, I mean, God bless guys who are talking about marriage and I think they should continue to do that. But I mm-hmm. think for us, you know, it's a little bit, um, we want to have a different approach and my voice is only part of the voice of what it takes to have a healthy marriage. And my opinions are my opinions. And I think Jennifer's ideas and thoughts and opinions on on what's going on in terms of our relationship and how to help others is so critically important and she's really i I'll, she's doing an amazing job i oh, I, I should you. say this too some of our we talked about fights so we fight about we did our marriage retreat fight we did our fighting about uh taylor and and kids we also fight quite a bit when we have to record videos together <laughs> for five dates and extraordinary couples um, because someone gets angry. Yeah, when I when I have to be both <laughs> husband and director of the content and video, that's, that's not going to work out good. good. That is not going to work that's out. That's not going to work good. No. Well, no. here's how we're different. Mike can speak on the fly. He knows content inside and out. I'm like. Um, I need it two days in advance to learn my role, <laughs> to learn my, <laughs> my lines. <laughs> I was like, just go with it. It's yeah, so good. Like, just I'm like, go wait, wait, it. what? It. So, he, so then he gets frustrated. So it's like, I need time to prep. My brain doesn't work like that. <laughs> or I'll say something really stupid like this. I'll go, hey, Jen, can you say that faster? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then later, can you just slow down? We have time. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's just the worst. There's so. a lot of deep breaths and it's like, okay. Oh. <laughs> Actually, we really, bite my tongue. Yeah. Now that I we like, help. I I mentioned the whole uh, note in the lunchbox thing. Could you tell that story actually? Because I think that's actually a really cool parenting and identity story. Could you tell that? Because I did a horrible job setting that up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, this is the thing that I, I think in many ways this story represents what we're trying to do with couples, what we're trying to do in in our lives, whenever we're with people, whatever we're writing, whatever we're creating, it's just helping helping people know that that they're loved. And so like when I was a a kid, I was I was a bit of a nerd growing up and uh a, a bit of an outcast, not a lot of friends. I was just kind of socially awkward, physically awkward, braces, glasses, acne, the whole whole deal. And so definitely struggled with self-image and self-esteem. That's why Jennifer was my first girlfriend at Aww. the age of 19 years old because I couldn't get a girl to date me. <laughs> Otherwise, they missed out. Um, thank you. But my dad, uh, my dad made my lunch every day, and this is in this is junior high, high school, and he would make my lunch and make a sandwich and chips and a little fruit box, and then he would write a little yellow note. Uh, like on a little sticky piece, a pad of paper, or whatever, and drop that into the the sack lunch, and I'd head off to school. And again, my life was not going great. Uh, felt really insecure about who I was and my whole life. And so at lunchtime, I would I would get out my lunch and pull out the sandwich and all that stuff. But then the the little yellow, yellow note that he would always write. 
And I always tell people, it, it was basically the same note every day. And he, this was a daily thing. This was every day I got this note. And it just said, you know, dear Mike, kind of hope you have a great day at school. I love you, dad. And like that, that moment, that little ray of sunshine coming into my very dark world was, I think, the sustaining thing that helped me know that I was not alone, that, that my dad cared, that my dad loved me, that there was um, this consistent voice of love in my life. And we look at those things and we go, that's very small and it may not matter. It, you know, it's like a little yellow note and it just says the same thing every day. And it's just the words, I love you. But those are powerful things. Those are powerful themes. And hmm. again, as even as adults, I think we need to hear that every single day. I think in our marriages, we need to hear that every single day. Like I need to know that I'm important to Jennifer and Jennifer needs to know that I am madly in love with her and committed to her. And we need, that isn't something that we just take for granted. It's actually something that we have to communicate. And so hmm. again, Sometimes successful relationships are about very small things. And I, and I think if we could just work on those, work on like find our own yellow notes within our marriage and within our relationship to say like, I love you. I care about you. I know we are going through a storm right now, or there's a lot of chaos. Or there's a lot of frustration, but I want you to know like the, the theme of, and the most important critical message right now is that um, I'm with you. I'm in, I'm, I'm here. I I want this to work and love is love is there. That's beautiful. I'm getting all teary-eyed. <laughs> if that was my story, I'd be like, Andre, why aren't you writing a note? Like, does is he is Mike, are you like, Jennifer, you need to write me a note every day? That's something that I would like express. <laughs> <laughs> While I beat you over the head with a baseball bat. <laughs> All right, so here we come to our final question, yes. which we're asking every couple. Is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I would say hell yes. Oh, um, I like it. I like it. I'm like, why not? Um, yeah. I, I think it's, man, I, I, I'm like an abundance. I, what? As a couple, we're we're abundance people. We're we're not scarcity people. We're not, you know. But but I think the thing to have all of that is to really make sure that you're you're clear on what you're doing it, what you're doing, and why you're doing it. Um, and I think like everything that you describe right there, I believe my marriage unlocks all the things that I want to see happen in terms of changing the world. Hmm. I believe my, how I manage my own heart and how Jennifer manages her heart is what's going to unlock everything that we want to do together uh, in influencing people, helping people, changing the world, whatever that looks like and whatever that really means, right? Because changing the world means changing, hopefully changing a couple kiddos that we're raising and changing the world means, you know, being a good friend and changing the world means, you know, putting out content and being vulnerable. Like, all of that is about changing the world. And so right. um, you can, I, I truly believe that you, you can have it all, but you gotta be, you gotta do your work and you gotta, you gotta keep focused on, on the most important relationship that you have. And that to me is 
Mrs. Foster sitting right here. (laughs) And balancing it all out. You know, you can't give it all to one area. No. You got to balance your work, your family, you know, marriage, kids. You have to to find your lane. Like the thing that I think is true about both Jen and I is you can put us on a stage. You can put us in a coffee shop. You can put us in our home. We're just going to be the same people and we're just going to do the same thing. And as long as we're staying in our lane and, and working out of our gifts and the things that are real and being honest with our weaknesses and the things that we suck at and make sure that we're not doing too much of those things um, and trying to do just simple things to help people, we're going to win yeah. in our, our marriage and, and with people and the things that we want to uh, see happen in the world. Yeah, and as far as work goes, like we both could definitely work a lot harder and a lot more, make a lot more money, but we choose not to. We want to balance out, you know, everything else and not, you know, spiral down that work mode, you know. That's part of just where we want to navigate our time and giving that priorities. Yeah, we love saying no. We love saying no. (laughs) We we love embracing our limitations. And so that, that to me is important. And now it's time for the breakdown. Yeah, that was really good. Mike always can uh, make me cry. Mm. (laughs) I think every time we have a conversation with them, dinner, anything, he has made me cry. Um, But it's just because he's so deep and just gets to the heart of pretty much everything. That's like, he's so good at that. Help, Help me understand. There's the three words. Oh, did you see what I did? I just uh, kind of integrated. I was trying to go deeper with you. Yes. And yes, I see that. Mm. So not I love you, but help me understand, which that was really, really good. And I think it just, it does show the intention of really trying to know more and hear your partner and not just take it at the surface level. So I thought that was good. I also just loved how he was just like, do whatever it takes um, that to have a help, healthy relationship. Like they're like, if it's counseling, counseling, if it's the marriage retreat or you're going to get in a fight, great. If it's um, these books and resources, they're just really pro um, relationships and healthy relationships. There's no prescriptive formula. For me, um, there's a statement that he said that we should say out loud. when he was talking about social media, that I thought was kind of, um, it was a statement that I don't want to say out loud, but I probably should say out loud. And it was the statement he said, um, I feel more important now than when I did before I had it, basically. Like, I feel more important now because of social media than I did before I had social media. I feel more important now because of the success than I did before. And like saying that out loud, not not to like toot your horn, but to actually check yourself, right? It's for accountability. And I thought that was like an interesting statement. Um, and, and his whole view on like how social media is impacting our identity, I think is, um, it's important to, to process and to talk about and to have a good perspective on. Yeah, I mean, I think the big basis of what social media does to you is basically that constant message of we are not enough. Like, feeling that inadequacy, feeling like you're not enough in whatever it is you're going after, you know, and that you might not have enough followers, you might not have enough money, you might not have enough success or fame or, you know, but, and that's kind of 
the message. Like it always makes you feel like that in mm. some sense. And so to remind yourself of that and to check yourself and to take a break from it if you need to, or to um, just change how you do things for a while. I mean, it's all really important to keep that in check. Yeah. I think it was actually that example that he gave for social media was actually a specific example related to a bigger story that we'd asked him about earlier, which is I, you know, we asked what is a healthy relationship and his answer to me, he said, health is when you can talk about the dark and the light, mm-hmm. which I thought that was just really insightful. Um, because in, especially in relationship, we, it shows that we trust each other when we're sharing our best and our worst and, and openly talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me, instead aspect. of hiding, yeah, instead that of vulnerability hiding. aspect. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really powerful. It was. Well, today was another great episode with the Fosters, and we hope you'll check out their um, really great resources. And just again, it's you do whatever it takes. There's mm. not one right way, but if these books or these videos are helpful, we really think you should check them out. I think it will be helpful. Uh, you're being really kind. I'm like, go buy five dates, go buy the two books that'll cost you what, 15 bucks or two books or something. Go do the extraordinary couples. They, they're oh. not in this for money. No, because they make it so cheap. I mean, all that they are really in it to help couples in whatever way connects with you. So go support it. Like, go do it. And and by supporting them in this, the projects they've done, it's going to make your relationships better. There you go. There's the marketer, Jeff. There he is. This isn't marketing. This is truth. No. Listen. This is what you do, which I love. No, listen. You are the promoter. This is what I want to (laughs) say. He's bringing it today. If you don't invest in your marriage, you don't care about it. And this is like the lowest investment that you could do. Like spend $29, go do the thing, spend 15, 20 bucks, get the books. Like it's like the lowest level of investment. And here's the deal. The things that you read and the things that you watch are going to make your conversations more meaningful with your partner. I don't feel bad about that. Preach it. Preach it. Go invest in your marriage today and your partnership. And go buy our friends stuff. It's awesome. All right, everybody. Have a good one. This episode was produced by DJ Obdiggy for Soul Graffiti Productions.